Oh. All right, welcome back once again, everyone. We're at the uh, Ham Expo here, Massachusetts. We're uh, joined here with myself, W1SNH. My name's Ryan. Right, I'm uh, Eric, uh, N1JUR. I'm Andy, I'm KB1OIQ. And I'm Todd, W1STJ. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so. All right. Before we get into the interview, how's the show been going for you? I think the show's been going fantastically. I did a quick forum yesterday for a couple hours. I did a talk an hour or so, or so ago. It went very well, and I'm having a great time. Excellent. Have you had a chance to go through the uh, flea market yet? No, not yet. Uh, I'll be heading over there maybe after this. Uh, I'm looking for a uh, dummy load, but uh, I did walk around the, uh, the little everyone here, and uh, I'm really impressed with the uh, that maestro. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool, uh, <laughs> pretty cool uh, piece of equipment. Better clear that credit card. <laughs> uh, very cool. Well, uh, things are going great here. So, yeah, we uh, got a, a great guest here tonight. Uh, tonight, today here at the fest here. Uh, you can see how, how I've uh, been a little uh, worn down by the end of the day. But um, uh, I'd like to introduce you guys. Obviously, uh, Andy, uh, he is uh, the creator and the maintainer of uh, Ham Radio Lennox. Um, I have been uh, had a privilege to see it live in action at uh, one of our club meetings um, and very impressed with the format. But uh, in essence, you know, maybe you can tell us a little about your kind of backstory, Andy. You know, how'd you get into ham radio? What, what's that little story look like? And then we can dive in a little bit of the, the ham radio Linux and, you know, kind of what inspired you to build that and, and, and before with that. So I started using Linux in 1997 and uh, you know, Slackware version one and uh, started playing around and learning. I had never played with a Unix system before ever. So I, I learned as I went along. And uh, after a while, I started to teach Linux at the local uh, adult education program at night. And there were two gentlemen in the class, and they didn't know it at the time, but they were both hams. And at one point, they came up to me, and they said, hey, Andy, you know, with your computer skills and this, and we can teach you the radio stuff, you might be able to you know, be helpful in MCOM and other, other related activities. And I didn't really know what MCOM was or anything at the time. So I, I studied for my general uh, in 2007, got that license, and then went on for uh, onto my extra in 2009. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. History, right, yeah. yeah. It is up. <laughs> okay. So awesome. So uh, that kind of introduced you to ham radio. So, you know, did you just kind of just dive whole hog into it or you just kind of like ease into it like a lot of people do in, in terms of like your blend of Linux and, you know, it, ham radio? I, I eased into ham radio. You know, I bought an HT and started playing around on two meters and doing okay. that sort of thing and, and found a local club with a, a very high uh, technical caliber of yes. people. Yes. And so I, I learned from the right folks. I got the right technical information, not the FUD that some people learn <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, went from there. But then after a while, I said, you know, I, I have this Linux expertise. Uh, there's a, some ham radio software out there for Linux. And I, I pulled it together on my own you know, computer. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, I said, well, gee, why can't I, I share this with everybody else? Sure. Yeah. And so I didn't know anything about creating a, a distribution or any of that sort of thing and said, no, I don't, I don't want to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. So I started with Ubuntu because it was then and still is now a very okay. popular uh, flavor of Linux that people like to use. Yep. And I learned what remastering meant. So what it really means is take some software packages out, put other packages in related to ham radio, and then uh, learn how to build an ISO file. And I found out about SourceForge and have been distributing it from there ever since uh, roughly May 2011. So what made you go from the, hey, I've got this own little, you know, distro built for yourself to saying, hey, the rest of the world needs it? Well, I I said to myself, you know, let's put it out there. I I created it. It's all free and open source software, every bit of it, as far as I know. Nothing's proprietary. And uh, I said, if I can make that, 
so other people can use it. Why not? It's a way to give back to both communities. So I tried that, and uh, the first seven versions were not worthy of leaving my house. I, I was like, well, yeah, I did it, but. But version eight was the first version I put out there, and that numbering system is just straight increment. I'm, I'm not a marketing you person. You don't like to do the dot. Yeah, I'm, got it. I'm not a marketing person, but you know, later I had you know version you know 24 A B C D whatever, right? Yeah. But it doesn't line up with any Ubuntu version or any year or anything like that. It's just consecutive. Okay. And uh, every six to eight months or so, I update it and, and try to keep it reasonable. Put it out there on SourceForge, and uh, lots and lots of folks seem to like it. Okay. Now, describe to me the package itself. Is it, in essence, just a, you know, a small mix of certain apps? Or is it like if I was to download it and use it, would it be my complete suite from like logging to digital modes to sideband? You know, kind of describe some of the packages. It's, it's as complete as I know how to make it based okay. on the software that people have written. So okay. there's a lot of digital uh, software out there. There's you know, WSJTX for FT8. Right. There's FL Digi for those digital modes. There's, there's other programs in there. There's logging. Yep. Uh, there's programs for training in CW. Wow. Uh, uh, satellites, uh, SDR, all sorts of different things are in there. As much as I could find that was free or open source or similarly licensed, yep. I put it on there. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, so here's the big question. How do you deal with all of the the typical issues with software these days? It's, obviously, you're building your own distribution, so you have to maintain it. Mm -hmm. And dealing with all of that, do you just get to a point where you're just like, throw your hands up and be like, I can't handle the fact that, you know, you, this you, is... You'd be surprised. I actually don't get that many technical support emails. Oh, now, wow. there is a forum on SourceForge where okay. people often will post questions. Yep. And if I can answer the question, I will. If I can't answer the question, I try to direct them, you know, to someone who can answer it. Good. And... Uh, uh, the, the most recent version has an unfortunate bug in the installer where it doesn't create the account that you told it to create. But I have a quick script that I wrote to fix that. Okay. But unfortunately, not everyone reads the documentation before doing it. And so they'll post a question, say, Andy, I installed this, but I can't log in. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't really want to say RTFM because that's kind of rude, but is, I'll yeah. point them to the document and say, please try this. Okay. And if you still have trouble, let me know. Cool. And so 99% uh, of the time that solves the problem and, and they go away with uh, something installed and hopefully they enjoy using it. Now, how, like, what type of uh, hardware would you need? If I was to you know, basically pull the package down, should I consider specific hardware or am I able to kind of scrap together something that's kind of been over in the corner collecting use, dust? Use a, use a PC that's about six, seven, no more than six, seven, eight years old. And I'm sure a brand new one will work too. Uh, make sure you've got at least four gigabytes of memory. Make sure you've got at least 20 gigabytes of, of SSD or hard drive or whatever you have. Yep. And everything has network these days, so there's no issue there. Yep. And make sure it's got a bootable thumb drive. Now, the image today is five gigabytes, so that's an eight gigabyte thumb drive. Right. Older machines would boot USB, but not necessarily a device that big because yep. it didn't exist in that day. Yeah, right, right, so right. as long as you can do that, you're good to go. Nice. Would, would you uh, be comfortable saying a Raspberry Pi 4, eight gig? I have not tried Raspberry Pi 4, but what yeah. I'm told is that it has enough compute horsepower to do it, okay. but I have not pulled together such a, a software collection. I've been asked to, All right. but I, I've not done it. So I'm a very basic end user, but I do have a couple pies around the shack, mm -hmm. and I, I think I'll, I'm Feel going to give that to a try. Right. It, it should work. Feel if, free to grab a couple stickers. If you start with Raspbian yep. uh, and build from there, yep. uh, I mean, these programs for you know in the Ubuntu repository build on all sorts of architectures. Sure. Uh, there's a fighting chance that it would work. Excellent. Uh, one of the distros I use on my Raspberry Pis is Diet Pi. It's very lightweight, but very similar to Raspbian. And it's, uh, it, it's fun. So Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So, um, if obviously being in the Windows world and in the, you know, a little bit of the Mac world, you find that your 
you know, you, you stick to certain loggers and, and whatnot. And in terms of the logging capabilities, you, you've, any of like, do I sacrifice any of those capabilities to be able to integrate into LOTW and things like that if I decided to? Um, you know, honestly, I don't know because uh, I've never run any of those Windows loggers. Okay. So I, I really don't know for sure. But what I can say is there uh, there's a relatively casual logging program called Xlog, which I did not write, but I currently maintain it. Okay. And uh, I use that logger all the time. I'm not a heavy duty contester and it meets my needs for field day and 13 colonies oh, and all of that. Okay. But there's also a much more sophisticated logger with a database backend called CQR log. Right. And that knows how to query various online things to fill in the blanks for QSOs and, and much, much more. Oh, wow. uh, and okay. so there's a couple of other uh, loggers that people have written. Um, if I find it and it's free and open source and it looks like it's not terrible, I put it in. If it's supported, I'll, I'll put it in. Oh, very cool. Very Excellent. Cool. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Got a little people going. Uh, yeah, I know we're here. having a lot of people come through the booth here. This is great, and uh, a lot I'm of the, traffic here. I'm the closest one to the table, so I guess I'll do. Uh, <laughs> do I'll the do the crowd control <laughs> for this live live so, stream. So, do you find that uh, you've gotten more of a, a, an interest in terms of helping maintain that process, or is it just kind of you and just whatever you you know kind of at the moment? I'm, I'm kind of into the old school New England handcrafted <laughs> quality, okay. but it's it's only quality if the users say it is. Sure. Right? Yeah, right. I, I like to think that it is. Yeah. And so I, I like to do it that way. Um, it works, but I, I hear the, the user community. If they say, Andy, we found this piece of software, would you consider putting it in? Yeah. If it's free and open source or some similar license, right. I will, yeah. as long as it's maintained. Yeah, it, cool. I don't want to put something in that's not maintained. Yep. Now, now, are you building, uh, so once you install it, so maybe you can kind of walk through a little bit of the install. Is it all menu-based, or is it you have to do any command line? So what's the skill level of most people? I mean, obviously, you have to have some level of right. Unix, but in essence, is it a higher level, advanced level of Unix, or is it enough to be able to, like, I can copy and paste command lines? Or well, when, Once you download the ISO file yep. and run the MD5SUM program to make sure you've got a clean download, yep. there's a proper way to copy that to a USB thumb drive so it's bootable. Yep. There's yep. a variety of programs on Windows that do it. I don't know their names, but they exist. Yep. Put that in your computer, set your BIOS to boot USB, yep. boot it up, and mostly it's self-explanatory. There's an icon on the desktop that says install. You either click or double click. I forget which. Yep. Yeah. That brings up the standard Ubuntu installation program, and then you just answer the questions and go. Wow. Awesome. Okay. So it's that, pretty straightforward, which sounds great. Yeah. The only thing I did to the installer is I added my own slideshow to it. Okay. I did not change anything else in the installer. That's all Ubuntu's code. Very cool. Very cool. Now... In terms of um, the integrations for J w, like WSJTX to be able to do CAT control, that capability built into that too as that well? That capability is in there. There's a library called Hamlib that handles an awful lot of that, okay. and uh, there's you know other ways to do that. Uh, what I added to the mix also is I customized the menu to make it easier for people to get at these programs. Okay. Now, this is running the XFCE desktop, which has a uh, menu so and has a way to okay. describe which applications go in which menu. Yep. But I didn't care for the way it organized some of the things. It mm -hmm. just didn't meet my sense of orderly. Okay. So I created a new menu called Andy Ham Radio Linux. I didn't touch the other ones. <laughs> and I customized that the way I wanted it to be. So people could find the programs that I install. Okay. And one of my, my quality control steps at, before I release it is to test every single menu to make sure that program comes up. Because if not, I've made a mistake and somebody's going to uh, have a problem that I don't want them you, to have. You get five million, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get emails. people asking about it. And my goal, besides giving back to the Linux and ham radio communities, is 
I want this thing to just work. So people don't fuss with a computer. They enjoy the ham radio hobby where the computer helps them with that enjoyment. That's my goal. A support versus a hindrance. Right. And now, okay, we may never quite get there, but I want to asymptotically approach that. Yeah. Nice. Are are you uh, moving towards... uh, you know, because right now most of the rig control type stuff is all CIV and, and you're being, um, you know, uh, via serial port. Are you moving, you know, considering moving towards like kind of a network type approach eventually where you have the capability to control like an SDR? Or well, like I that? mean, my I have an ICOM 7610 and okay. that plugs in by USB yep. and uh, Linux recognized that. It created the right oh, wow. serial devices. It recognized the sound card. It did all of that beautifully. Uh, and so I, I, I'm using modern radio so that that kind of stuff just works. Okay. Uh, but, you know, there are external sound card devices you can buy and hook them up to older radios. It, yep. it is possible to do all these things. Um, I have no experience setting up a, a radio that's controlled by the internet or anything of that nature. Okay. So I don't I don't know what's out there for Linux that can do that. So like in terms of like if someone came to you, do you have any people in your uh, community that does like flex or something like that mm-hmm. where they're like, you know, network based and that type of stuff would be, right. you know, a, a bonus. But in essence, it sounds like it shouldn't be too difficult to be able to, you know, architect right. some of this. So if somebody showed me a, a program or a way to do that, if it's free and open source, I will put it in there so others can enjoy it. Very and cool. that just adds to the mix. Uh, I, I put as wide a variety of software in there as I could yeah. because, as we know, there's so many facets to this hobby. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they keep growing by leaps and bounds every Indeed day every do. time you look at something. So, yeah, that's totally awesome in terms of configuration. You got any questions? No, it's uh, it's fascinating. And I'm, I'm looking forward to going home tonight and uh, giving it a download and trying it. So, Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, so um, before we kind of get towards the, uh, you know, we got a little time here. So what are your kind of future plans with it? Do you, I mean, obviously, you're going to get to a certain point that, you know, um, it's either going to grow or you're, you're going to have to either pass it on. Do you, are you planning kind of like your exit strategy a little bit? Or I, you have, I, you have, I have not thought about that. There's no uh, heir apparent that might take it over or anything okay. like that. It's, it's been a one-man show. It's an open source community. so the community Anybody could take it and, and build on it and, and do that. Um, I, I feel like I stood on the shoulders of giants to get here and somebody will someday stand on my shoulders and make it better. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But to, I'll tell you, I was extraordinarily thrilled. Uh, about a year ago, I got an email from SourceForge with a PDF uh, file in there. And it said, congratulations, there have been 100,000 downloads of this software package since 2011. So I I wanna thank the user community uh, for that. You know, I I didn't do that, all of you did that. So I wanna thank everybody for their support that way. That's amazing, 100,000 downloads for something that, you know, is very niche market, but in Mm -hmm. essence, at the same time, is very much needed in the ham community, especially if you are, you know, you don't wanna be in that Windows world or you're looking for an alternative. And so, you know, my mind, I think that's a, a, a big, gap that's being filled at the same time i think you know it's a great place that people can be you know they can contribute they can be part of the process even if they may not have even a lick of linux or you know understand they could probably propose you know you know new improvements and features and stuff like that people with all different skill levels come to the table to try this maybe they just want to try something new and different maybe they're mad at their existing operating system who knows why but and if they try it and they don't like it, well, okay, at least they tried it, right? right? And many of them try it, and, and they do like it. Right. So in the last year, there have been 13,000 downloads of version 25 and 25A, nice. which I came out with just before I went to Dayton. Okay. And that was the very, very first time I had ever gone to Dayton. Uh-huh. I gave a talk, 100 people showed up. 
I was thrilled. I had wow. a great time at Dayton. Nice. That's awesome. So, so did you do a workshop out there too as well in the demonstration or just kind of just do a no, general talk? I was, I was the first, one of the first talks on the first day okay. and several people came to me and said, Andy, we wanted to come to your talk, but it took 25 minutes to get through the line to get in the door. <laughs> and I had never experienced Dayton before, so I didn't, right. I didn't know this kind of thing would happen. But yeah. I was thrilled that they uh, accepted my talk and found me a time slot. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, Dayton's a good place to you yep. know, kind of just get a lot of traffic. I mean, the numbers that they were proposing that the showed up is like in the, you know, tens of thousands. So, you know, in essence, you, you definitely got a lot of eyeballs on that. And I'm sure it yep. definitely helped. Are you uh, planning on going back again next year? I would love to go back to Dayton again. I, yep. I spent two hours or two days driving out, two days driving back. <laughs> yeah. um, that was a lot of fun. Yep. And uh, I hope I can do it again. I'd like to. Yeah. yeah anything cool. in Dayton you liked at all? Uh, I did not tour the, the towns or anything like that. Okay. Uh, I just went to the convention. Well, and back. Right, just to convince, but, I, I don't yeah. care about the town. I'm not a... I went to all the vendor booths. I sat through a couple yeah. of talks. Uh, I enjoyed socializing with a lot of people. The flea market was huge. Huge, oh, I can imagine. Right, yeah. and so it was, yeah. and the weather was was really good. But the uh, the lunch area, it almost looked like a carnival with all the the food trucks oh, and bet. the colors and the blinky lights yeah. and all that. that. That's all I could think of. They, they like want to keep you there, that's yeah, for sure. Right, exactly. <laughs> You're not so, leaving. So, Andy, I did talk to us aside from your programming side on Linux, uh, your ham radio uh, interests, any particular mode you like operating, your home shack. Okay. So my, my home shack has built up a lot over 15 years. Yep. Uh, my, my radios, I said, is an ICOM 7610. Yep. I have the 500-watt Elecraft amplifier. you got over here. And, uh, yeah, and I've got up. the uh, Elecraft <laughs> antenna tuner as well. Very nice. Uh, okay. But I, I moved up at one time. I had an older Dentron amp with tubes and whatnot, and that worked fine. Yep. And uh, so I've, I've done that. Uh, one of my more recent interests is bringing antique AM and FM radios back to life. Very cool. And so I, I have fun driving a soldering iron and, and playing those games. And yeah. I don't know a lot about tube technology, but enough to fix it and bring it back to life. Sure. So I've got about a, a dozen radios that I've done that with uh, and, nice. and had a lot of fun there. Okay. Now, you're, in terms of your AM radios, are they the more traditional, like, home AM radio styles, or we're looking at, like, more tube-type uh, transmitter? You know, I, I, have not, I haven't done any ham gear yet. I, I hope oh, so I it's Elmer all traditional. do a, a oh, little bit of ham better. gear. Okay. Cool. But uh, I'm, I'm doing, you know, 1920s, 1930s, mostly. Okay. Uh, I'm not a woodworker, so I don't uh, I mess with the finish, yeah. but yeah. I get the internals working, oh, and cool. I, I enjoy it. You know, Patina is okay to a point. Sure. sure. Right, yeah. You know, and so I'm, I'm all right with that, and I'm not in it for the money. I just yeah. enjoy bringing it back to life. Mm -hmm. you know, someday somebody else will have it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I, I do that. But as far as modes go, I'll, I, I like, uh, I, I do CW with the uh, SKCC folks from time to time. Uh, sideband, I recently did uh, over 2,000 contacts representing Massachusetts for 13 colonies. Oh, wow. Had a lot of fun with that. Okay. Uh, I have no religious inclination one way or the other for or against any mode mm -hmm. with the exception of the proprietary digital modes. I won't use those. Oh. Okay. That's a personal right. choice. <laughs> no, no. What people do with their hobby time, that's cool. Yeah, right? absolutely. IW is technically a digital mode, though. I have to right. remind you. So. Well, you, you are sort of on the, the so, fringe. So toward that end, I'm very interested in what the folks on the M17 project are doing. So oh, I'll, yes. I'll give them Excellent. a shameless plug because they're okay. working hard. They're doing some great work yeah, with Codec 2. Yep. And uh, many of them are from southern New Hampshire. Yes, yeah. Yep. They are, they are uh, making some very good inroads in, in, in open source and, and that yes. type of size stuff. But uh, they actually, we actually have the M17 stickers right over here. dropped off their stickers at the I wish I had more time to help them, yeah. but on version 25A that just got released, I put a couple of their pieces of software in there, oh, baked cool. it in with the menus and whatnot to hopefully get them more uh, visibility and people will, will uh, learn awesome. what they're all about. Okay. 
So Very yeah, cool. definitely. So it's almost like a complete package pretty much of your, you know, looking to get something that you didn't have to like kind of piecemeal together. I, I think it is. And yeah. most of the stuff came from the Ubuntu repository. So it's relatively easy to install yeah. either graphically or from the command line. Okay. But some of it is built from source. Yeah. And sometimes that's not too hard. And other times it's quite painful. Right. But again, some people find that easy to do. Some people don't. And right. that's okay. We all have different expertise. Yep. So I do that for you and tie it into the menu so you don't have to. We appreciate it. So, but, <laughs> but yes, it makes those harder to upgrade. It does. So. But in essence, you know, in essence, you know, if you're maintaining it, then in essence, there's going to be a, hopefully a path to get to the you know, right. next level and whatnot. Right. And so, it, one, so one criticism people have had is there's no electronic way to upgrade from version N to version N plus one. You know, with Ubuntu, there's, you know, do dist upgrade or some such command. You have to basically reinstall the next ISO file. So what I tell people is back up your home directory. Yep. And if it's on a different partition, you almost don't have to do that. It won't it touch doesn't. it, but do it anyway. Install the new version and then restore your home directory. Yep. And for most people, that's not really a problem. Wow. Um, awesome. But it's it's hard to do an upgrade program and get it right. Mm. And I, admittedly, I don't know all those details. Well, so and, I, I shied and, away know, from it. And it's open source. So in essence, there, there should be that level of expectation that, you know, you're going to have to put a little work in, not, right. you know, right. you know, not just no, click and A point. couple of people have mentioned it, but nobody's really complained. So, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's a valid point that yeah. other, other uh, installations, other distributions have easier ways to do that. And right. this does not. So it's, it's a fair critique. The way I look at is uh, I don't, I wouldn't do a install very often. So mm -hmm. it's a good refresher. Yes. So. Yes, exactly. Exactly. There was a gentleman online. He refers to himself as the old tech guy. And I forget his name and call sign. Yeah. But he did what I thought was an extraordinarily fair and balanced review of Andy's Ham Radio Linux. So if people want another uh, opinion on, on whether it's good, bad, or otherwise, watch that it's video. video. It's okay. called The Old Tech Guy. Cool. We'll Excellent. make sure we throw those in the links in the video. Okay. If you Sounds got those, good. send them over my way, and we'll make sure we get them in there. But Great. So, um, you know, back to kind of just, you know, what you're working on. So AM Radio stuff, what's the, the most recent AM Radio project you're kind of working on? And, you know? Uh, probably 1950s. Okay. I, I took a Philco AM FM radio that used to belong to my mother, oh. and I brought it back to life. And when we were all locked down during COVID, I had that radio running every single day while I was working from home. Wow. Yeah, there's, and there's a it helped me keep my sanity. Yeah, 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 so it cool. gives you that warm feeling for sure. I, yes. I, I, I could never breach into that, you know, area because my electronics background is very slim. But in essence, you know, I think right. once I get down the road, you know, like yourself, you just you kind of I, yeah, I'm gonna try it out. I had fun building some crystal radios during COVID. I learned about spider coils and the old uh, antique headphones and all that. And, yep. and the Russian D18 diode is my friend. Very cool. yeah, very it, it works cool. really well in crystal radios. I'm just curious, do you have a, a Variac for bringing the voltage I do. up? I yeah. do. And, and I was taught by one of my Elmers that they would put an incandescent light bulb in series with the AC line as a current limiter. Uh -huh. And that works very, very well. If that light bulb lights up, shut it off quickly because something's a dead short. <laughs> yeah. And so these are fire, things that, fire, that you know, my fire. Elmers taught me and I, I put it into practice. And uh, I have not yet been zapped by a hot chassis, but if I'm not careful and I do enough of them, the time will come. Yep. Do not do when tired. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, do not do when tired. Yes. So, uh, so what would you, uh, you know, I always like to ask the question, what would you as a new, uh, you know, if you ran into a new ham and in essence, you're obviously involved in a club and whatnot, and you probably come across a few of those folks, what, what, what advice do you like to give them where, you know, obviously you are, you know, an Elmer in my mind, you know, in terms of what you're doing and obviously contributing back to the community, but it sounds like you're very much willing to just share anything. What, what would be your, you know, opinion or, you know, um, suggestion or recommendation for new ham? Well, I would try to hook that new ham up with people that had the correct technical knowledge, not some of the you know stuff that's out there that isn't correct and i was lucky that way i met up with people who who were really good technically and explained things and, and steered me where to look on the internet for more information okay. and if i were elmering somebody i would do the same thing
I wouldn't just give them the answer. Yep. I would say, here's where you can go to learn more on that subject and then come back to me and talk cool. and we'll, and we'll do more. Cause if you just tell someone the answer, they don't really learn anything. No. No, as Todd says all the time, you know, hey, give it to me. You can tell, tell me how many times you want, but until I do it myself. Yeah. Right. My, the first time that happened to me, I, I built a cubicle quad for two meters. And I didn't understand why the SWR was two and a half to one because I didn't understand the resonance of a full wave loop. And my Elmer said, look up the concept of a quarter wave matching stub and then come back and talk to me. So I did. I put one in. Beautiful. Wow. Right. Nice. So I learned by doing it. I, I, I will remember that. You know, and, and same thing with Linux stuff. I mean, at one time I learned what the DD command does because I trashed my desk. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes, that's so like if delete I type star that star. command, I literally sit on my hands before hitting enter because I, I trashed a hard drive and I had not backed it up. Oh. So you, you, you learn a lot of you, things when you, you make mistakes. Yes. <laughs> you right? not to do it again. But right. I don't, you know, I don't care if you use a GUI or the command line or both. I use both. Okay. It's what you know and what you're comfortable with. Yep. Cool. So I, I hope people will download it. I hope people will use it. If they have constructive feedback, I'm very open to that because awesome. uh, that's how it gets better. Yeah. And people many times have said, Andy, here's a piece of software that's not in your collection. Would you put it there? And as long as it isn't proprietary, it's got a good license on it. Yep. I'll, I'll do that. Very cool. Right. cool. But I'm at five gigabytes now, so I have to watch the limits there. Sure, yes. right. uh, SourceForge does have a limit of how big a file can be. Uh -huh. And folks, you know, as it gets too big, it becomes cumbersome to download. Right. Now, how do you deal with um, this kind of thought? How do you deal with uh, programs that eventually the maintainer decides to just no longer maintain it? Well, if, if there's a problem with that program, unfortunately, I'd have to pull it out. Uh, you know, sometimes somebody will step up and maintain it. Sometimes, unfortunately, the bits were meant to rot. Sure. Right. It just it just yep, happens over it time. Right. Okay. So I have had a couple of programs that I had to pull out of there because they weren't maintained and they were problematic. But thankfully, there was a new program that did that function and better okay. that I learned about and put that in. So that's happened a couple of times. Cool. 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 You guys got anything? No, this is great. So if uh, the community wanted to get a hold of you, how would they? What's your preferred? Uh, uh, my recommendation would be to send email to my call sign at the league. So KB1OIQ at ARRL.net is the best way to do it. And uh, then I will do the best I can to help you or steer you in the direction of someone who can help you. Excellent. And then if they went on Sorge Force, what would they uh, put in the uh, line? So to if search? you go to SourceForge, uh, SourceForge. You know, yep. is the short way to get there. Okay. In the, in the search box, type either my call sign or type Andy Ham Radio Linux and you'll find it. Um, you'll see all kinds of different versions there. Go to the latest version and, and download that. And please read the getting started document. Yes. It will it will save you some some grief, really. And I don't I don't want it to meet a dead horse, but I, I wouldn't have written it and I wouldn't ask you to spend your time doing it if it wasn't important. If it wasn't important. Right? Excellent. Very so good. Please, yes. please read that document and then the one issue that's there you will fix. You'll never have to touch it again right. and hopefully you'll be be thrilled with the software collection. Awesome. So, Very cool. So don't don't thank just me. Thank all of those people who wrote those programs as well. Yeah. yeah they, definitely everybody has contributed from all over the world. Very cool. Very cool. Well, that sounds like it's a great active community and Andy's done some really great stuff with, you know, Ham Radio Linux. And so, like you said, get out there, download it, try it, you know, join it with Ryan there and, you, mm -hmm. you know, you know, let us know. You know, obviously, you know, if you've tried it, you know, definitely put the comments in uh, on the, if you're in the live stream, if not, you know, let us know uh, or head over to Andy's uh, SourceForge page and be part of the community there and get involved. 
Um, so uh, with that, is there any parting things you want to you know mention or? Yeah, just just one comment. So I have occasionally been asked to visit local ham radio clubs and give a presentation. I'm happy to do that. I have done it for a few clubs on Zoom or WebEx or other such uh, technologies. Uh, I did it for the Rat Pack group one time. That mm -hmm. talk is on their website. A lot of great talks on yeah. that website. Yeah, it's even so on our own website if, too. Right. Right. And so if if there is a ham radio club out there that would like me to do that, please contact me. And we, if we can arrange a schedule, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Very cool. Excellent. Right. Awesome. Well, really appreciate your time stopping Thanks, by guys. the booth. This was fun. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Appreciate Glad to have you on. Thanks cool. for coming by. It was great to meet you. And uh, Good to meet you we're going to check well. it all out. All right. Sounds good. Sounds all right. good. All well, right. with that, I'm going to say uh, seven threes and hope everyone enjoys the rest of the show. Definitely. All right. Seven three, guys. Okay. Seven Thank three. You.